Hi, and welcome to this edition of the Security Transformation Podcast. I'm Steve Lamb, and I'm joined by JC, and this time we have a special guest, Chris Burtonshaw from Strata Security. Chris, can you introduce yourself, please? Hi there, Steve. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm CEO of Strata Security. Um, I've been in the security technology industry for most of my career, actually. Um, spent 20 years implementing various technologies right the way through from very large multi-million pound security monitoring programs right the way through to smaller projects for um, charities and, and sort of small organizations. Uh, our company is all about helping people to get the most out of their security tools and to implement best practices in the most efficient way. Um, and we do that by joining up the data that they already have in an intelligent way so that they can get more from their tools and they can implement and they can operate them better. Thanks, Chris. And that takes us straight into the topic we want to explore today, which is the topic of product proliferation, really, because myself, I've been going to those trade shows, those security trade shows for many, many years. And I've, every time I'm horrified by the number of vendors, frankly, there is no there is no other word. I remember going to a conference in Munich last week, which was last last year, sorry, which was um, very much focused on identity and access management. And just on that segment of the cybersecurity market, there were literally 60, 70, 80 vendors. And, and to me, there is something a little bit shocking in that number of, of vendors and that number of of products. Why are we still seeing so many security products, Steve and Chris? What do you think? What does that hide, Chris, from your from your perspective? Well, um, I guess it, there's two elements to the question. There's the, the question of why there are so many in the market, and then there's when there are why there are so many in use within organizations. Um, I'll probably focus to start off with on the second of those. Um, so within organizations that have a number of security tools, um, one of the primary reasons I've seen for having perhaps multiple tools in the same category. So as you mentioned before, with identity and access management, there being so many vendors in that space. Um, when I've seen organizations that have multiple identity and access management tools, it's usually through uh, perhaps some kind of consolidation or M&A activity. So maybe two organizations were brought together um, organization A had a tool, an organ uh, one, one security or IAM tool, and organization B had something else. Um, and for reasons that perhaps are sometimes not as clear when, you, when you're coming into an organization, as perhaps might be clear to those that have been around a while, um, there was some reason why those tools separately bring their own value proposition. For me, there, are also, there, there is also the... the, the, the the box checking culture, if you want, which does lead to that proliferation. You know, every time something happens, every time you get, you got a new audit point, a, a new compliance requirement, you just go out there and buy another tool. You've got that sort of knee jerk, knee jerk reaction culture, which, which, uh, which has led to some, uh, some, some, some proliferation of, 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 of those products, you know, that's constant focus on technical, operational, tactical matters, always looking at the quick win. So always looking at, at the product to solve a problem. And one thing after another, after the next, you end up with, 
you know, countless products. I mean, there is a survey by Cisco produced earlier this this year, which says that on average, a large organization use, uses 20 different products. Uh, you know, this is this is a this is a real problem, frankly. Uh, it, it goes far beyond those the, the type of observations you we 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 are doing here, and it it leads to very serious operational implications. Chris, how how do you see those things in your in in your everyday work? Those operational issues surrounding that 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 that. Uh, proliferation of products well obviously there are numerous um but i would say that the two of the sort of the headlines are really kind of the direct cost of having multiple tools i mean i've seen some places for example with something as simple as antivirus having three or four different antivirus tools and their associated management platforms deployed so just answering the the basic questions of for example do we have functioning antivirus requires looking in four places requires copying and pasting into excel or a spreadsheet of your choice so you end up spending more time dealing with excel and your data uh, than you do with performing value adding security activities um and then on the other side uh... chris what do you think are the real operational implications we are seeing here associated with that product proliferation problem I think broadly this is twofold. Of course, I've already said the first one, which was is the kind of the direct cost. Um, and then secondarily, you have the indirect costs of this. So um, obviously, um, I mentioned on the ground, people perhaps are spending a lot of time dealing with with kind of the the implications of having to work with several tools. But then in the background, um, it's also possible. It's also more likely that you're going to miss something because um, you have to spend all of that additional effort to, answer, to, to kind of look in to answer one particular question. Um, but because you, you then don't have that single view, um, the chance that you've missed something increases, which potentially leads to non-compliance, security issues, um, security incidents, and potentially data breaches. You're absolutely right, Chris. And this is, this is actually expensive. I mean, it, this type of... of complex manual operational process is fundamentally expensive and it's expensive in terms of of resources and uh really it begs the question um are the CISOs going to be able to afford those type of staffing levels you know given the type of budgetary restrictions we're seeing over the hill with the with the covid crisis Maybe, maybe not. Some industries have been doing well. Some industries have been doing not so well. We've been discussing those aspects in an earlier podcast, but I think it's going to be very hard for CISOs to continue justifying the, the, those type of legacy staffing levels, which fundamentally are associated to legacy processes built on the back of you know, a, a large unmanaged number of products. What do you think, Steve? I agree. I think there's a there's been a tendency over the years, in addition to M and A, as Chris has described, uh, for companies to have a project based around the technology and often the acquisition of a technology, or even the deployment of a technology. But in my experience, the issues are far more often to do with getting value from the technology you already have, 
and particularly the, the processes that go around its operation. It's, it's too easy to press the technology button and it takes a lot more effort to really think about, you know, if you're looking at something like um, identity access management, who should have access to particular resources? Why should they have access? For how long should they have access? What's the means in which you revoke access? How is that audited and tracked and managed? And, and those things often don't come across as very interesting and they don't come across as, hey, look at this thing we've done but actually you can get more value from that quite often than deploying some technology. And I'm speaking as a technology guy. Um, I, I've seen this over the 25 years I've been in security. It's, it's often the, the process side, which is lacking and very much needed. So JC, what, what would you recommend people do going forwards? What's the way out of this? Well, I, I, I think we're going to leave that, that to Chris, but what I want to say is, is, is um, to me, this is a serious problem. It goes far beyond, you know, an, a, an, an, an observation on the state of the market or the state of the cybersecurity industry. Um, those, the, the, the operational processes which are built around those, those, those products, built around that, that legacy organic accumulation of products, those processes are, 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 are complex, are manual, are error-prone. They're boring, they're repetitive. It's about cutting and pasting into Excel spreadsheets very often, as Chris told us. And we've seen it everywhere. You know, we've seen SOC analysts and security operators having to go to, you know, countless different tools when they're investigating an incident or indeed when they need to produce a report for this audit committee or for that board meeting or for that management meeting. And all that is expensive. It's repetitive. It's boring. And it leads to attrition and it leads to talent alienation. And that's the fundamental issue here from my perspective. You know, if you're a young professional, you like security because it's a bit geeky, it's a bit, nerd, bit, bit nerdy. You get into a security job in the SOC and you end up cutting and pasting into spreadsheets. I can tell you one thing, you're not going to stay very long. And we can sit here complaining about the cybersecurity skills gap all the time, but we have to start changing that. We have to start making security more attractive. And we have to start really uh, uh, dealing with the underlying the underlying clause. So I wanted to say that before before we I, I hand over to Chris. I really think it's essential to declutter the security estate. You know, to start getting to the root cause of those problems. To start helping analysts be more efficient. To start injecting more intelligence really to uh, into security operations. And I don't mean artificial intelligence. I mean good old plain intelligence, you know, in the way those processes are designed. Of course, down the line, maybe artificial intelligence will play a role as well. But that's for another podcast, probably. Chris, let, let's let's come back to you because you're our guest here. Uh, what, what, how do you see, how do you see this moving? How do you, where do you start if you need to declutter your cybersecurity estate? Well, I think um, if you're a CISO coming into a new organization, or maybe if, if there's been some wider changes that sort of lead you to take a look at how things are going and you've identified some of those problems that we've touched on. Um, the first thing to do is to look at what you have, the people that you've got, and where you want to go, I guess, at a, a kind of an organization level or a security organizational level. Um, and the things that you should consider are, um, with the move towards cloud, uh, many things that historically required you to go and purchase something that you would install on the server in your data center now can be delivered 
as a sort of a standard cloud platform or perhaps are in, to some extent included in 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 your office 365 or or things similar to that um so you've got obviously options for potentially replacing some of those existing products so obviously replace where you can um and then also um based on that analysis of what you do have and, and the team and, and, and making sure that that team is providing the most security value that it can, look at if you can consolidate those technologies or, or functions that are somewhat replicated across your organization. So if you do have two IAM tools, look at why you have those two. And quite often um, it's easier to change the process than it is to change the technology. And that's something you really should consider because I've worked on many projects where um, too much has been invested in customizing the technology to meet a particular process when actually ultimately at the end, if you look at how much effort it took, um, it certainly would have been worth considering changing the process first. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what Chris just said. It's, it's very easy for organizations to think of themselves as special in terms of the requirements and that takes them away from tried and tested and into bespoke which means expensive complex and hard to maintain so yeah i agree with chris in some cases impossible to maintain i would add as well absolutely i, I remember a bank that paid a third party to customize the tcp ip stack they were running on windows uh on the somehow the belief it would be more secure and there may have been an edge case where it was, but they locked themselves into that version of Windows and even that subversion, and they, it caused them huge amounts of pain and it made them less secure because you know, they, they were completely non-standard um, and out of support. So, yeah, it's, it's easy to try and do something innovative and make things worse. Well, thank you, guys. I think we're going to leave it here for this week. We may revisit those subjects as always and bring in more guests. Chris, is there anything you want to say before we, before we close? Well, I would say generally, um, make sure you're focused on what your people are doing because it's always the people that are adding the the uh, the value factor in the process. Um, and if you can enable those people to be really adding value rather than perhaps, as you spoke about before, copy and pasting things between Excel or, for example, implementing awkward cludges between your different identity and access management tools, um, then first of all, um, you're going to get more out of your team. But secondly, you're going to have less issues retaining and, and, and attracting staff to your organization. Great. Thank you both. That was, uh, I think, a really an interesting conversation. As JC said, there's, there's a lot more we can do in this, more, more conversation. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.